Welcome to the AV Podcast Games Edition. Presented by Ian Collin. Hi, I'm Ian Collin from 360 Gamer, welcoming you to this week's gaming podcast. As well as all the latest gaming news, we'll have a review of Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2, and we'll also be having a discussion about the pros and cons of Sony's latest release, the PS3. The AV Podcast Gaming News, with Ian Collin and Seth Gecko. Okay, so first up, and it's been an interesting week for publisher and developer Take-Two. Word of a possible takeover, uh, along with some petty squabbling going on in the courts, which makes quite interesting reading as well. In terms of the takeover, rumours have come along after an AGM was cancelled, and the rumours are that the shareholders are looking to get rid of the CEO and chief financial officer, and generally take control of the company amongst themselves, which in turn could well lead to the company ending up being sold to the highest bidder. Take two, if you're not sure, they include several component brands, uh, including 2K, game, 2K Games and perhaps most notably Rockstar, um, which obviously gets its fair share of criticism, but it also rakes in a hell of a lot of cash through the GTA series and other such titles. I mean, one thing that springs to mind is that, is that if it does go to the highest bidder, you know, will companies such as Microsoft and Sony possibly be interested in it, obviously because of the uh, possible franchise potential? In addition to these boardroom problems, Take-Two is also in the middle of taking legal action against renowned anti-gaming fruitcake Jack Thompson, who's trying to declare that GTA 4 and Manhunt 2 uh, are a public nuisance, but Take-Two saying that making such a claim goes against their constitutional rights because they're fully entitled to publish these games in a way that they see fit as long as it's not generally offensive. Thompson has been slating these various franchises for years, trying to get them damned to hell or other ridiculous extremes, but in light of this legal action, doesn't really seem too fussed about it. Quite an interesting claim that he made, and he sent a, an open letter to the entire video game industry, um, and he says that he's been praying like something with this would happen, um, and he's labelled Take-Two as being stupid, arrogant, and dumb, and stating that this will enable him to destroy them, which hardly seems Christian from a quite a religious man who even quotes patches of the Bible in this statement. You know, for anyone other than Take-Two, me included, this is quite a uh, fun and interesting diversion away from the key issue. But that remains is that um, the news coming through is that Take-Two uh, experienced potentially hard times, so we're looking towards the near future, hoping that we will be able to uh, see the future of the company secure which, as it stands, is one of the leading names in the video game industry. I don't think it's fair that you called the guy a fruitcake. I mean, he could be a cookie. I think it's alleged that he's a fruitcake. Um, yes, he, he could be. He could just go out and party with the fairies regularly. He's just um, very single-minded in his approach and basically blames video games for everything that's ever happened wrong in the entire world. You're so polite, Ian. He's single-minded. He's bloody-minded in his campaigning. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He won't listen to any kind of argument. Sometimes he won't even play the video games, he'll just assume that it's horrible and start slating it and try to get it banned before he's even seen it. That's a fun diversion. I mean, the key thing is obviously take to securing the future of their company, but I, I just you know, like this side diversion, which probably isn't going to do them any favours. And uh, yeah, having to deal with this fruitcake cookie, slightly strange guy who's trying to take some kind of legal action back against him. Okay, uh, next up, Capcom have announced that Devil May Cry 4 will be released on the Xbox 360 and PC as well as the PS3. The game was originally thought to be a PS3 exclusive, with Capcom previously denying all rumours of it being a multi-platform game. 
A representative of Capcom, however, has stated that the company is committed to making its titles available to as wide an audience as possible and has been building its technology base to meet that goal. He went on to say that this announcement means that PS3, Xbox 360 and PC owners worldwide will be able to experience the latest installment of one of Capcom's pillar franchises. The game is being produced by the guy behind the original Devil May Cry and the outstanding Resident Evil 4 and will feature a new character named Nero. There's no release date as of yet for any of the three versions, but we'll be sure to let you know as soon as we do. I wonder what Sony are making of this uh, announcement, being that it was previously a PS3 exclusive. It's well, one of those things where, um, like, as an Xbox gamer, you kind of you can sort of finally, not, yeah. well, not come out of the closet, but you can finally openly admit that it's an awesome title oh, yeah. that you Get really, in. really it's want to have on your console for some time. So this is Absolutely. great news for 360 and PC gamers alike, I think. Because it does have the potential to be a, an excellent title. Mm. Especially as made by the guy behind Resident Evil 4, which we all know was amazing. So, Yeah, so all we're hoping for now is that Capcom will come forward and officially confirm that there will be 360 and I think they're looking at doing a Wii version of Resident Evil 5 as well. But um, I'm still I th- waiting I for... I thought Resident Evil 5 was confirmed for, PA, for the Xbox 360. I think it, it was originally confirmed, but then it's just gone quiet. Quiet. Yeah, it's going to be 2008, but you're still waiting for something to come through saying, okay, you know, here's some details. They did put them at the uh, trailer up a long time ago. Yeah, um, that was just... From the 361, as a, well, alleged yeah. 360. Yeah, but, that was uh, just generic, I'm sure. Mm. But I have to say, you know, I, I, Devil May Cry I had on the PS2. Um, Devil May Cry 2 I had on the PS2. Devil May Cry 3 I had on the PS2. So Devil May Cry 4 I will obviously be going to get on the Xbox. Okay, so that's quality child to look out for. Devil May Cry 4. Can't wait. Mm-hmm, indeed. Going on from that announcement on the uh, 360, um, Ubisoft have announced Call of Juarez um, for the 360. Uh, they announced that on the 19th of March. It's going to be an improvement over the PC one, apparently. It will have not only greater technical experience and graphical detail, but better AI for a bit more challenging uh, gameplay. Now, they haven't announced, obviously, um, release dates, etc., but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it could be a Christmas sleeper title. But for those who don't know, um, it basically the game captures the brutality and ruthlessness um, of the American frontier um, in a theatre of war, as it were. Um, you'll basically experience legendary Wild West action, barroom brawls, high noon shootouts, that kind of thing. Um, Big title on the PC, obviously, so uh, that's, I think that's one to watch out on the 360 when it comes out, but I reckon, yeah, Christmas Sleeper. Ooh, yeah, I've cool. seen, yeah, I've seen a few bits and pieces on that, um, and just, I mean, they haven't released a huge amount of screens, but the ones that they have done do look quite impressive, I think. I don't know whether it's going to be a bit, a bit sort of like Red Dead Revolver, which, you know, I thought was a pretty good game um, in terms of, you know, a Western experience. I remember that, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was good fun. I don't I think, think Gun that came out earlier was as good. That was a little disappointing. Mm. I think Call of Wars looks, yeah, pretty cool. Interesting. I say, it was a big title, really, on the PC, so don't be surprised, you know, if if a lot of 360 gamers are going to really dig this. So, And it's good yeah. to see it going off in a bit of a different direction, I have to be honest. Okay, so staying with games being released a little bit later, a number of PS3 titles that were originally scheduled as launch titles have slipped a little bit further back. Ubisoft seems to be the most affected, with Rainbow Six Vegas slipping to spring, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2 um, being moved to June, 
Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion is running a little bit late as well. That won't be until middle of April, April the 20th, I think is the scheduled date at the moment. Uh, Splinter Cell Double Agent from Ubisoft has also been delayed, but that's only by a week. Um, so that'll be available on the 30th of March. Elsewhere, Vivendi has also confirmed that Fear, which was originally planned as a launch title, um, that'll probably be running about a month behind as well. I mean, although this doesn't sound like great news for gamers, um, having to wait a little bit longer for these titles, but uh, one reason it's been uh, bounced around is that it could be to do with Sony's uh, strict submissions procedure, which demands a, a certain level of quality control in a technical sense. So that well, that could well be a, a good thing, um, suggesting that these companies could just be tweaking the games to as close to perfection as they can. You know, it's not to say that these go through um, quality control in terms of a decent game, so there could still be some shite coming through. But at least you know that hopefully these games would be quite smooth, run a little bit better, and be technically astute. I'm interested to see um, how smooth the frame rate is on the Double Agent for the PS3, considering that on the 360 version, could get a little bit choppy in parts on the 360 version when playing in high def. So I'm wondering yeah. how the PS3 copes with the game. Yeah, it'll be an interesting comparison to make hmm. in terms of, you know, bold technical claims that Sony are making, or not so much claims, you know partially based on the fact that they're hoping that it will surpass the Xbox 360 in terms of features like that. So yeah, like I say, it'd be interesting to compare the two. Sony have released their list of PS2 and PS1 games that will play on European PlayStation 3. Now, Sony recently stated that the PS3 will play over a thousand games from their back catalogue. Unfortunately, however, there is a catch. Many of the titles are listed as having some or even noticeable issues. In fact, there are many top titles that have noticeable issues, including Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Killzone, Resident Evil 4, Okami, the recent Pro Evolution Soccer and FIFA games, and even Gran Turismo and the recently released Final Fantasy XII suffer from what Sony call issues. Don't worry though, Hamster Heroes plays just fine. <laughs> Yay! Oh, there we <laughs> no, go. Today is a actually, happy day after all. <laughs> there are some top titles that do work with no issues, most notably God of War 1 and 2. Number 2 is coming out next month for PS2 and looks awesome. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, Ico, and Tekken 5, they all work fine. But, if you look at the list, you'll notice that many classic PS2 titles either have issues or aren't on the list at all, like Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> I thought it was a great They're game. Awesome title. <laughs> that's one that'll be missed, isn't it? <laughs> but no, missing GTAs and stuff like that, that's, yeah. gonna be, that's quite a blow. Hmm. Um, I think it? the original Grand Theft Auto 3 works just fine. Um, but um, Vice City Stories, serious yeah. issues with it. Does it say that how they're going to be able to repair them? Are they going to be bringing out patches of sorts? Uh, I would assume it could be fixed in future updates, but at present, um, what's also new saying is that there, hang on, I've got it here, should play on a PlayStation 3 with noticeable issues. Some will play with minor issues, and some will play with no issues known to date. It sounds a little bit like a certain computer company that will remain nameless, but have got three letters in their name, that used to refer to things as having features. Uh, sort of like... You'd you'd phone up and complain about something, and they go, "It's actually that's okay. It's supposed to do that. It's a feature." Um, the definition of feature means bug to oblivion, never going to be fixed. That's one to advertise, isn't it? <laughs> you don't see that one on the press releases. No. You know. Moving away from consoles and onto the PC, just because I can. One um, C in Battlefront.com are thrilled to announce the release date for Theatre of War and a much-anticipated, allegedly, World War II real-time strategy game by the creators of IL-2 Sturmovic. I, can, I can't say Russian names, because I'm not Russian. It's going to come out on April the 19th, 2007, which is quite a few weeks away, but 
it gives you a couple of purchase options. You can have a digital download for 45 bucks. You can have mail delivery for the 45 bucks plus shipping and handling. Or for 55 dollars, you can have both. Of course, you still have to pay shipping and handling. Apparently, there will be pre-orders uh, opening later this week with an extra $10 saving and a free downloadable gold demo is planned for early April. Now, the game itself is obviously a real-time strategy. The idea is you command hundreds of different unit types in five historic campaigns, which is US, UK, Soviet, German, French and Polish. The press release says this isn't just another WW2 RTS clickfest, but a thrilling real-time combat simulator with an emphasis on realism and detail. So lots of people will die and poppies will appear everywhere. Um, and real-world military tactics that will challenge even the most battle-hardened armchair general. Don't you just love press releases? <laughs> they just sound like so similar to the last one that came out. Yeah, real-time combat simulation, five historical campaigns, 40 campaign missions plus, 30 different maps, absolutely shed loads to do, um, and you can get it online www.battlefront.com and uh, it'll tell you all about it there but for 45 bucks probably worth it if you're into the uh, RTS okay I mean the the one thing that I pick up from there is that when you talked about the game being eagerly anticipated you said it was allegedly eagerly anticipated which sounds to me like you're not particularly eagerly anticipating it yourself uh, well RTS games and me don't kind of get on uh, we go together like um, George Bush and politically correct decisions. Uh, it's not. It's, it's not my cup of cup. I have to be honest. Um, it wasn't on my radar. It's not something that I have actually, to be honest, heard of, except for seeing it on the press release. But I think that uh, a lot of people that, that are obviously RTS fans probably have got it on their radar, and uh, it was worth mentioning so they can go to the website and check it out. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be people you know love that kind of stuff. You know, like you say, not everybody's into the RTS games, but if you are, then it's always a bonus to get new titles coming through, especially if there's loads of content. Sounds cool. Okay, and on that note, that's the end of this week's gaming news. The biggest news and the best, best, best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV Podcast. Okay, so their review for this week is Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2. I'm reviewing it on the Xbox 360, haven't played it on that, but it will be available on the PC, PS3 and PSP um, sometime in the future. Okay, so just to clarify, obviously it's a sequel, as the two bit at the end of the title gives away. But the one thing that's just a little bit surprising is it's not too far after the original game came out, which kind of uh, immediately led to suspicions that uh, it might not be a complete game. It's not an expansion pack, it's a lot more than that, but there are still going to be people who just would have hoped for a little bit more. The first thing that started off is that uh, it follows on from the previous game. Basically the guy who you play, Scott Mitchell, and uh, your squad, you arrive back from, your, from the original game and you're instantly thrown into the sequel, which is a little bit harsh on him. So the game it still takes place in Mexico, and there's also action around the Mexico-US border, and eventually go into the to the US. And basically, the environments remain the same. Obviously, because it's uh, had a bit more time, they've had a lot more time to work on it, then it looks visually a lot better. And they've worked on the visuals; it's been one of the things that they've been working towards. They've included uh, better effects. They've put in more detailed particle effects. They've been looking at weather effects, making smoke and wind effects a lot more realistic and to an extent it does work. I'm thinking that maybe these are ideas that they had with the original that didn't really have time to implement and now they've had the chance to work on the sequel they've been able to put them in which is maybe why 
they were able to turn the game around so quickly. Another thing that they've worked on is obviously the technical side of the game. It plays a lot smoother. It's sort of less sort of buggy. The previous game wasn't quite perfect. I had a few little mistakes and it, it kind of shook around a little bit. But this time it's a lot smoother and basically in terms of uh, technical aspect it plays very very well indeed. In terms of gameplay it's also been improved. It's changed slightly in that your HUD's altered a little bit. Um, you've got a, one or two extra commands that you could issue to your squad. Nothing too revolutionary there though. It's pretty similar details that you've seen on several things before. One thing which I think has worked really well with this is that they've upgraded the Crosscom system which allows you to see through cameras on the rest of your squad and also through overhead drones um, that look down onto the battlefield uh, which you can then control uh, and move around so you can locate things that are far away from your own eyesight. They've made these all full screen so rather than just being a little camera in the corner you can see everything that this person is looking at and you can also issue directions from within this crosscom system so it's almost like being able to play as second third or fourth characters in that you can move them around you can make a lot of actions issue commands without being involved in any way whatsoever you don't really want to make them cannon fodder that's probably a little bit harsh but basically you can move them into dangerous areas and then you can maneuver yourself where you'll be able to make flanking maneuvers and basically offer yourself a few more tactical options. You've also got a second drone in this one called Mule, uh, which is a land-based vehicle. Primarily contains uh, weapons, um, you know, you can reload ammo, maybe get one or two new weapons in there. You can also use it as cover. It's quite a sturdy machine, so you could hide behind it, and you, you can remote control it as well, so you can kind of steer it into the battlefield, hide behind it for extra cover. It's a little bit destructible, so it's not perfect cover, and it won't last for too long, but it, again, it's another decent tactical option. Okay, and um, one final thing in terms of gameplay is that it, it does generally play a lot more intelligent this time round. It's not a huge leap in terms of AI, but it just it works just a little bit better. As I say, technically it runs smoother, um, so it seems like your squad and uh, the intelligence of the enemies as well, you know, there's probably a little bit more intelligence to them. They're prepared to make a few different moves, take a few chances, but then uh, have an element of self-preservation about them. So they don't just go wading into a battlefield and get killed in some horrific manner. So the game is a little bit easier, but there are obviously some quite tough spots in there that you have to work through. But uh, it does seem to be a lot less effort to get through it, which is one of the biggest flaws of this single player game, is that it is very short. You've probably got about six hours of gameplay in there. Um, if you can just sit down, if you know you only have to be reasonable standard at it to be able to play through it quite quickly. You know you could even do it one in one sitting if you're a sort of quite a hardcore gamer. If you played the previous game uh, a lot, then you'll be very very good at this and you won't find it quite as challenging. The one thing really which lifts the the single player game, which makes it. Uh, which makes the game a lot more tempting uh, in terms of spending your hard-earned cash, spending £50 buying a, a full-price title when the content doesn't vary differently from the original and um, it's so short, is obviously the multiplayer element of it. The game's only been out for a short while but already it's got a massive following online, huge clans communities building up, uh, possibly from the people who have played Gears of War for a while, Rainbow Six Vegas for a while and are looking for something a little bit different. And there are some excellent options online for this game. One, you've got a, a big co-op campaign with six missions which aren't in the single player game. You can have up to 16 players involved in that, so there's a, a lot of action going on in there which is going to please a lot of people. It's not the only reason why you should buy it, because a single player game is definitely an improvement 
on the the original. So if you like the original a lot, then you're still going to get a lot of fun from the single player game. But it's just a question that only you can really answer whether you're prepared to spend £50 buying a relatively short single player game uh, if you don't play online. If you play online, probably, you know, worth it a lot more, definitely worth considering. If you don't, you know, maybe there are one or two better titles out there. Scoring it, it's quite tough. I'd probably give it a 7 in terms of single player, which may well upset a few people because uh, a lot of people are just throwing high scores at it, but I think that's primarily to do with the multiplayer side of things, which could easily bump the game up to an 8, possibly even a 9 if it's the most important thing that you're looking at when you're buying a game. Generally, it's an improvement, but it's not a huge improvement, but still, if you like the game, it's a decent buy. For daily AV chat. AV chat. Log in to avforums.com. They might be very nice people. This week's roundtable discussion. The roundtable discussion this week is possibly a fairly obvious one with the recent release of the PS3 when I was failed on the 23rd of March. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it, a lot of positives, a lot of negatives. So we thought we'd just run through a few things, give one or two opinions about what we think about it, and hopefully we'll be able to draw your own opinions on whether it's worth buying or not. I guess the first question really would just be to summarise people's current enthusiasm about it. Um, Seth, first of all, how much have you been looking forward to the PS3? I don't actually think I have. I always thought that it was going to be, you know, the next one on from the PS2, and I was never thrilled about the PS2 coming out after the PS1. So, so realistically, um, I don't think it's been something that uh, has made me proverbially hard, shall we say. What about you, Mark? I've been keeping my eye on it. I haven't really had an in, in, I've never intended to actually buy one. Definitely not at launch. But I've been keeping an eye on what's due out, having a look at what's recently been announced, like Little Big Planet, and thinking. The future may be looking really good for the PS3. I'm just, I am questioning as to whether it's actually worth buying one now, though. It has been quite quiet in terms of public response to it, I think. I mean, you know, PS2 was, was massive, and it was a, a good console. Mm, Can't it's really a great console. That. It still is a great um, console. Yeah, absolutely. It's still selling very, very well. But, yeah, I mean, you're thinking there's a load of Sony fanboys out there. You know, you would have thought, I mean, we've been looking at pre-orders for the the console and it hasn't yeah. been very good so it's obviously it's not a, a huge amount of excitement about it like there was with the the xbox 360 and possibly even greater with the wii i mean looking at it hasn't been a great pickup so far has it uh no not a, not a great pickup at all you can just <laughs> you could have just walked in on the day and picked one up no problem um obviously uh looking before the the console went on sale you could walk into pretty much any game store and get one for a nominal deposit so yeah that possibly doesn't look quite so good or Sony but they're still expecting to sell loads of them I mean I saw figures saying expecting to sell four million something around there by the end of the year I'm not quite sure that's gonna happen I think they will ship a fair amount but I don't think they'll, it, the take-up's gonna be as much as uh, 360 was when it uh, first, first released yeah possibly on on launch it'll still sell mm. uh, well, definitely sell. Loads. people will buy people will buy it the machine there's no, no doubt about that yeah but I'm, I'm thinking that it will pick up later in the year. Launch quiet, then gradually build, and then, well, you know, obviously get a lot bigger when some of the features and better games come out towards the end of the year. Yeah. I actually think that they've been, uh, they're in a, a, a sort of a, a rock and a hard place to a degree. Um, they haven't had the, the, certainly the smooth ride this particular launch, if you think about it. Um, 
if you consider the sort of PlayStation One, um, it was up against uh, I've got to try and remember now the uh, Dreamcast effectively. If you take the PlayStation Two, it was up against um, GameCube, I suppose, to a degree, and it got the head start on that. And Microsoft didn't bring out the Xbox until much later as well. Mm. Um, this time round, they're third off the starting block. 360 has been around for what 14, 15 months already. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, it's about yeah, it's about 16 months. That's it. The Wii came out at the beginning of December and is still rarer than Rocking Horse to actually pick one up. They have a, a, a huge uphill struggle, plus the price tag. Mm. Yeah, that's not very attractive, really, is it? No, especially when you look at the bundles for uh, the Xbox 360, you, you can get a 360 with a few games and a uh, joypad for various places for cheaper than you could for a PlayStation th- uh, 3 with, say, maybe just two games and no extra pad. Well, of course, they're going to defend that by turning around and saying, oh, yeah, but we've got Blu-ray playback. Um, but I suppose the, uh, the it comes down to, more than anything else, what you want at the end of the day. You know, yeah, if you I just mean, want I'm- a console or not. I'm thinking, you know, is Blu-ray going to be a big deal for a lot of people? Because, you know, primarily you're looking for the console to play games. Um, you know, there's maybe positives. You know, we'll have to wait and see for a little while um, whether PS3 games are better than 360 games in various areas. We'll have to wait and see and do comparisons later. But, yeah. you know, do you think people... Really, I mean, I'm not sure that a decent percentage of people are really going to care whether it's got Blu-ray or, high, or HD. They're going to wait for the games. Yeah, mainly. But then saying that, my interest in the PlayStation Three has been mainly for for a Blu-ray player, since I don't currently have one. There, I mean, there probably are some it. home cinema uh, fans who think, hmm, PlayStation Three may be a cheap option for Blu-ray. But uh, primarily, the people buying the PlayStation Three, I believe, will be the gamers who want it for yeah. the games. It possibly is a strange call for people, you know, into, into home cinema, but not really into gaming. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be cheaper. And buying a a single player. Uh, Blu-ray player, standalone player, yeah, yeah. Maybe they just don't really like the idea of having a PS3 in their homes. You know, it just sort of um, doesn't really go with the home cinema style. If you know what I mean. There's also a bit of a stigma attached to the PS2 and the DVD playback of that. Um, That's because it was is and was rubbish. I, I was actually looking for a much better way of putting it, but to be honest, I was just going to turn around and say it was a complete dog and was crap. It, it, the PS2 really was a poor DVD playback. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that they have, again, got um, a little bit of a, a problem trying to shake that perception. And and even if you go one step before, beyond that, rather, and try and say, well, actually, it really is good as a Blu-ray player. The next thing people are going to be saying is, is well, okay, that's all well and good, but why have we got Blu-ray players that are twice the price? Um, you know, why are they twice the price? Why are they so much better? And again, you're going to have this sort of alienation and people wondering, you know, realistically, if the um, standalone players actually do offer more because of the price tag on them. You would kind of hope for uh, improved quality. I have a thought. It's the same when you're buying uh, any piece of hardware or home cinema hardware equipment, whether it's you know DVD player, your amps, speakers, whatever. You kind of assume that if you're spending more, you're getting better quality playback. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you get what you pay for. Yeah. But we'll have to wait and see what the response is. Get some yeah. uh, home cinema connoisseurs giving a response to how good the quality is of the Blu-ray player. Well, I was going to say a lot of people so far have said it's very good, but I mean the obvious thing is is c- comparisons. You know. 
yeah. take um, say the, the there's a Panasonic Blu-ray player. There's um, the Sony one. Pioneer have actually got one out in the states as well. You know, has anybody sort of got both of the players and put them next next to each other and and done a, a fair benchmark comparison? And the answer is probably not that I can. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, certainly yeah. not seen one. It, it's just one of those things that people are obviously going to turn around and compare and contrast and say, you know, this apparently plays games and this apparently plays Blu-rays, but then you've got this other player over here, which is, you know, like a grand. Surely that's better. Uh, it's, it's just going to be a, a difficult stigma to get people either off of it or, you know, because, especially because of, you know, the, the PS2 DVD. I mean, in, in terms of other hardware uh, as well, um, obviously... Uh, one of the claims put forward, but it's not so much a claim, it's borderline fact, is that the, the Sony is more powerful than the Xbox 360, or rather the PS3 is more powerful. But, um, you know, to be honest, I, I mean, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but in terms of gameplay at the moment with the, the existing titles, it's hard to really see, isn't it? I don't know if you've... Yeah, there's not much of a difference, running. and to be honest, it, <laughs> if you ask me, there's games on the 360 that look and probably play better than there are actually on the PlayStation 3 at present. Yeah, I mean, do you th I mean, they've had plenty of time to be working on them, haven't they? If they're in yeah, the UK, they've had these extra yeah. months to be able to, um, you know, tweak mm. the games to look even better than they would have done originally. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I I will go a little bit off on a tangent to a degree and say compare um, the release titles for the PS3, compare them to the release titles for the Xbox 360, try and give it a bit more of a, you know, even footing at this stage. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, your argument is going to be what's better, Perfect, ze uh, perfect Zero versus Resistance. Um, per personally speaking, neither float my boat. Um, I do like a good, uh, a good FPS, but they just both didn't do anything for me. Um, that's like I say, it's probably personal uh, opinion. The, yeah, the, no. the, the funniest thing that you sort of mentioning um, in terms of the power is um, a, a sort of an ironic thing. Um, with all the power that uh, the PS3 has, if you actually look at the back of several of the titles, um, it'll only do 720p graphically. Yeah. So you're stuck working on 720p on that particular title and then you'll get another title and it will do 720p, 1080i, 1080p whereas if you think about it the Xbox 360 is basically going choose your res and we'll just work with it Yeah, you're not stuck on the game and I think that's actually um, an interesting and telling um, issue for want of a better description and seeing as we've already mentioned Sony and issues already that yeah. Yeah. they're not being completely honest um with some of these things. It, it it may be higher def gaming, but you're limited by the title and if it's a title that says seven twenty P then you know you're not gonna get your ten eighty P and it's not gonna look as good as a ten eighty P um game anyway. So I think it's really you know, pretty poor to sort of dress it up but you know there is still the potential to to work on it, you know, they've um a lot of times I mean the Xbox three sixty for one launch uh, titles weren't hugely uh, impressive in terms of there weren't a lot of games around, you didn't have a lot of choice um, whereas well, the PS3's had plenty of time to be able to push its titles through in the UK um, but it, yeah it took the Xbox 360 just a little while to kind of catch up and get a good selection yeah. of high quality games but um, uh, I think they, they started coming through quite quickly, um, you know there were a few trash titles that came through yeah. um, so Again, Sony are going to have their their work out to pick up, and I think they have to do it quite quickly. 
Um, otherwise, people are going to be looking at the titles because they're going to assume that it's going to get better. And if they don't see results coming through in the relative near future, then you know you're going to get more disappointed, and it's going to keep. It's not going to get a bad rep for it. But you know, uh, new gamers, people that don't know one, might be a little bit more reluctant to get one in the the near future. Well, uh, the first title on the uh, 360 that really made me go wow was Fight Night Round 3, which was released, I believe, about four months after uh, the machine yeah. was originally launched. Yeah, it, so it was around the March time and yeah. the console was launched in November. Sort of the going just slightly back on the on, on the launch thing, if you think about it, the US got it about a month before we did, didn't we, they, the console? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you think of the sort of the PS3, um, the States had it, have had it for what five months, four months, something like that. Yeah, yeah. before we do. So there's been a a bit of a difference on, in terms of the window and development as well, which can skew the data somewhat. Some of the titles that we're getting um, on the PS3 release, obviously, had like Motorstorm is the obvious one, have pretty much got a day and date release with it from the US to the UK. Which is funny how I mean we mentioned earlier is that we haven't seen a vast improvement in them though over the, the 360. I don't know where that extra time has been spent, what developers, have, what developers have been doing, or whether they've just, you know, stuck those to the side and say, game's done, let's get on with the next title. You have to wonder about the uh, future releases that are due out as well. I mean, aside from Little Big Planet that's been announced, I mean, what do we really know of the future releases, apart from obviously they make God of War 3 for the PlayStation 3, but yeah. is there anything, and obviously Killzone as well, but is there really anything outstanding due out? For the PlayStation 3, anytime soon. You're going to get the obvious titles, aren't you? I mean, the the typical Sony titles. So you're going to get a Gran Turismo. You know, yeah. as much as you know that Mario's coming on the Wii, and as much as you know that on the Xbox you're going to get Halo. You know, there yeah. are certain titles that you just know are going to come. You know, we could see Ratchet and Clank. Um, as we've already mentioned, though, things that uh, were seen as you know, sort of Sony exclusives like Devil May Cry, and, and if you think about it, originally Resident Evil mm. is not the case. Looking at it now, I mean the the lineup of titles around now are obviously uh, quite old titles. We've been playing them on the 360 for a while, um, so you think they've got to start getting games through soon. Um, but there doesn't seem to be, as you say, anything in the immediate future. I mean, we're talking about Little Big Planet, which does look awesome, but that's not around till September time. September, mm. well, October. I may, think. may well get delayed. Yeah, I mean it's not at all surprising for any big games like no, that. No, exactly. Really. Yeah. Are you going to hang on to a PS3 just looking for one title like that? You know, we we need to be hearing announcements about yeah. big, um, potentially exclusive Sony titles, but they seem yeah. to be getting rarer and rarer. Grand Theft Auto 4 is coming out on both the Xbox 360 and the uh, PlayStation 3, and both will be getting um, exclusive episodic content, as far as I'm aware. Other yeah, it that... seems to be a way of splitting it. I know there's a, a couple of games as well that have come out where they've just tweaked uh, something, you know, you might get a, a couple of different weapons or something like that yeah. in here, or they might change. Or a different character on different versions of games, like yeah. done with the Soul Calibur games before. But, you know, it's not exactly a huge selling point. It's yeah. nice to make differences, but, yeah. you know, you're not going to choose a console because there's a few extra tweaks, you've got another no. character in a game. Might I'm wondering game. how different the episodic content will be between the 360 version and the PS3 version of uh, Grand Theft, uh, sorry, Grand, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 4. Yeah, um, there will be differences. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, the core of the game is going to be the same. Yeah. But, yeah, like you say, they probably will have to make differences. Well, they don't, you know, have to. There's no obligation to make differences. But it will just, you know, I don't know whether they've got separate development teams while well, they have going to be working on uh, PS3 and Xbox 360. I don't know how closely they're working together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're going to have a few ideas that 
they'll possibly implement differently to the game. I was going to say, there's probably not going to be a huge amount in it. And you might find that the games are actually, I mean, it could be very much a case of the games are absolutely identical disc-wise and the uh, exclusive content is downloadable, which is the easiest way to deal deal with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking as well, you know, any differences are going to be just a pretty quick uh, download to rectify. Sony comes along and does something better, you know, thinks of a... Uh, you know, a new piece of firmware or something like that. A little bit of, you know, little bits, you know, small little applications and stuff like that will improve the console. Um, then, you know, Sony, Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, whatever, can just come back and say, yeah, they've done that. That's all right, but ours is better. Just moving on slightly, I was going to turn around and bring the uh, emulation um, sort of sticking point. Um, and put a sort of a spin on it to a degree, whereas everyone's been complaining um, about the lack of PS3 um, hardware emulation. It's all being done by software. They've been working, trying to get um, the emulation right. There's issues with games, um, and everyone's making you know, a reasonably big deal out of it. And it, and to a degree, it's probably um, of Sony's own making because of how they did it. Um, by you know, cutting back on the hardware and going for the software emulation. Uh, they've only got themselves to blame on that one by shooting themselves in the foot. But, if you think about it, when the Xbox 360 came out, that was pretty much the same thing with the Xbox compatibility. Microsoft was saying, oh, there'd be compatibility with uh, certain Xbox titles. When they yeah. announced the list, it was like, huh, this isn't on there, and it took a little bit of time and a few updates and you know, to get a few of the more... Uh, in- Sort of key games and sort of yeah, games that people basically wanted. Basically, the yeah. only game I had that worked on a 360 was Halo or Halo 2. Everything else you needed to download uh, various bits and pieces to be able to play them, which was you know, quite harsh. Yeah, it was <laughs> just a bit, yeah. One of the members of the forums, uh, Sab, a little while back, started a thread asking if it was thinking of uh, trading in his um, Xbox 360 towards a PS3. Um, just wondering if. Have a look at weeding up the pros and cons of. Uh, oh, it's still going to be expensive. I don't know how much yeah. you can get if you trade in your 360. Or I mean, you're not going to get, uh, you know, nothing against the wheat. You're not going to get a huge amount for it just because it was so cheap in the first place. Um, so it's still going to cost you, you know, 250 or something like that to be able to trade and replace, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, would you actually want to replace your 360 with a PS3, given the games that are up for the 360 and the, the games that are up for the PS3? Not for a while, because you played most of the games. I thought. Exactly. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll agree with that, I don't think I would trade it in, more, I mean, not even from a, fi- a, a, a sort of a financial perspective, um, the money's sort of, um, I have to, <laughs> sounds really bad when I go, the money's not, not important, it, it, yeah, it, money's really not a, a, an issue, not, certainly not in, well, t- it is to, to me, uh, yeah, to a lot of people it is, but I mean, if you're, if you're contemplating it, you've obviously got the cash. Uh, no, it's well, I would have thought so, I would have thought so, yeah. You, you're not going to think I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I want to. I'm, con- I'm considering training my Xbox 360 in for a PS3. Yeah, but I can't I'm, afford it. You wouldn't. It just wouldn't be on the radar. Yeah, no. I guess if you, you know, you really want one, you'll, you don't mind having a few nights in or something like that. Yeah, so, you know, a couple but of Fridays. I, I think what it comes down to is um, what games you think that you're going to enjoy on one format over the other. You know, you've got to keep in mind that if you were a, a particular Halo nut or, you know. Um, it, you've got to go for the the games that are specific for the console. You can't turn around and go, yeah, but I really want to play GTA or Devil May Cry, because as we know now, 
both of those games are definitely coming out on the 360. So that's not the just that's not really a big enough justification. Maybe the justification is okay. I want to you know play high def movies, but then you've got the you know again the pros and cons. Do you go HD DVD or do you go Blu-ray? Okay, the Sony's a bit quieter. Okay, Sony's a lot quieter. Um, but you st- and you're still going to have to put your hand in your pocket one way or another that you want to do it. Ultimately, from my my perspective, it probably comes down to um, exclusive games on any given console. And, and I don't. I, I just. I don't. Yeah, and I. I have to be honest. There's nothing exclusive on the PS3 um, that rocks my world. The nearest is going to be Little Big Planet. And to be honest, um, as as impressive as it looks, as much as much. Um, fun as it looks like it could be um, unless it's radically diversified from the initial demo and there's much more to it that's in development it wouldn't be sh- strong enough on its own to make me change yeah, I've got my eye on Metal Gear Solid 4 never which at the present I believe is still a PS3 exclusive it's yeah. Konami so it probably is at the moment but you never know mm. Because Castlevania, there is a period. Is, is it appearing or it appeared on As far as I'm aware, it's coming to the Xbox Live Marketplace, as far as I'm aware. It so came up on Wednesday. That's it, so there are there is Konami links already there. Mm. It may not last as an exclusive. I mean, you know, one of the big things with Capcom was you know the exclusivity on PlayStation and Sony. And yeah. it was for a long time. But that's, that's Evil in Devil May Cry. Yeah, Konami have been doing stuff on other formats anyway, so it wouldn't surprise me if, you know... We saw Metal Gear Solid on GameCube. Hmm. We saw also some Metal Gear Solid 2 on the Xbox. Yeah, but we don't talk about that. It wasn't that brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just, I, 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 everyone's going to go, oh, does Seth like any games? No, he doesn't. No, he does really. You're on the wrong just, podcast. What you I'm on the wrong podcast. <laughs> I, I, thought it was the mo- I thought it was the movies one. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the, the basic... I mean, I'm not a particularly big Metal Gear Solid fan. I, I, I like the first one. The rest kind of just... More of the same, um, but that's a, a certainly a, uh, another conversation for another time. You know, yeah. Our games just basically, you know, rinse, repeat, and do it again. It's it's one of those things. I, I I can't come up with enough exclusive content on PS3 to make me want to swap a console. I, I'd I'd have it as an addition, but not as an alternative. Shall we put it that way? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's really sort of the the concluding question. I think is. Just to ask uh, between us, I mean, would you be looking to buy one soon, buy one later, or just not interested in buying one at all or for a considerable time? No, no is the easy answer. Mm. So, what, not till later or not at all? Um, at this moment in time, not at all. Mark? I'm interested in it. Yeah, I am interested in buying one, um, but probably not at all this year. I'm I'm thinking next year, sometime next year, when the consoles had a good run, see what kind of um, titles have been released, what titles are due for release in the future at that time, and uh, make a more informed decision. I can't, couldn't recommend buying one now at launch. But this is down to uh, down quality to of co- titles, not not well. Obviously, the price is a hmm. is involved. Price is one factor. Quality of titles and the fact that. We've played more than half the titles that are launching for the PS3 already on the Xbox 360 and have been playing them for months. Yeah. I think it's telling when last week I turned around and said the only title that was actually making me excited about playing on that particular console was Fight Night 3. And we've had it for a year almost. No, we have had it for a year. 
Yeah. I, 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 actually, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it somewhat back. I would possibly contemplate getting a, a PS3 if the price was two hundred quid and if Final Fantasy Thirteen was worth it. Yeah, I think there's potential there. I mean, like I say, wait yeah. for titles. I might. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm slightly biased because I work for. 360 magazine, so I spent a lot of my time playing with 360 games. So whether I had time to get the most out of a PS3, I don't know. Um, you know, I'd be be interested in playing it. I've got no qualms with uh, trying out some of the games, seeing how they compare. But in terms of buying one in the near future, definitely not. In terms of buying something towards the end of the year when maybe quality titles come out, you know, when some of the online material, you know, PS3 Home comes up, then see how that pans out, how attractive that becomes. But, um, yeah, for now, uh, I'm in a no camp as well. That <laughs> means we all are, which is... Which yeah. is uh, well, see, none of us amongst three people. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people listening who uh, maybe have already bought one or are looking again one in the very near future. Um, yeah. I don't think we're yeah. not saying it's a sound it's, investment. We're just saying that we don't think it's worth buying one right now, but that it probably will be in the future. Yeah, yeah it's I, potential. It's oh, got yeah, potential, but it hasn't got enough... Um, plus points or, or enough on its own merits if you've already got other consoles or systems or yeah. whatever. You know, in my case, I have a, an Xbox 360. I have a Blu-ray player. Um, there, you know, as I've already stated, the only game that floats my boat on launch is a game I already own on 360. There isn't enough for me to actually turn around and go, yes, I would spend 425 on it. To be fair, I wouldn't spend 425 on it anyway. I think yeah. it's far too expensive. Mm. But the, the nearest I could get to that would be, like I said, you know, the only thing that really piques curiosity, and that's assuming it will be an uh, an exclusive title, because we've already seen a Final Fantasy on Xbox 360, um, would be yeah. the new Final Fantasy 13 game. Okay, so like final message is, Sony, bring out more good games, bring out, um, get some exclusive titles, give us something to be excited about, and drop the price as well please <laughs> okay so on that note we'll uh, leave the discussion uh, where it is at the moment I'm guessing you'll have your own opinions uh, on the PS3 so feel free to jump on the forums and start chatting about them um, and I'm sure as well that uh, we'll be talking about the PS3 uh, in a little bit more detail in the future or in terms of more games we'll be able to tell you about in the future so keep listening we'll bring you more information as it arrives for up-to-the-minute AV discussion and hardware reviews, visit avforums.com. And that's it for this week's gaming podcast. Join us again next week for more of the same. Thanks for now. The AV Podcast was presented by Ian Collin and Seth Gecko. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.